You're about to listen to a message from the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Blessed morning, everyone. Please, you may be seated. Glory to God. I want to say a big thank you to Pastor Ikenna and his beautiful wife for asking me to be a part of this great meeting. A big thank you to leaders of the Governor's Fellowship. Thank you so very much for having me here this uh, morning. Praise God. I believe that it's, um, it's a very easy task I have to serve as a forerunner. You know, when you've had heavyweight speakers speak ahead of you, and then you are asked to come after, it's a much harder task. So mine is very easy. Praise God. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I salute the grace of God on... Uh, Pastor Andy, in absentia, I salute the grace of God on uh, Reverend Badger, whom I'm privileged to meet for the very first time today. I believe that uh, the foundation that God has already begun to lay since Wednesday is a solid one. And I have the privilege of contributing a few blocks here and there on what has been laid already. Let's pray. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you can, please pray in other tongues for some minutes. Let's just bless the Lord in the Holy Ghost. It, it, it's usually different when we speak in tongues out loud. So if you don't mind, you want to add some volume to it, and let's just speak in the Holy Ghost out loud. That's our dialect, you know. Let's speak in our dialect. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh. thank you, Lord. Nenonandre kitabada. Soma nondre kita verne menemana. Sonte legabalo sobre kinamana. Sotre dive ento mambreniska. Repronde verne mina mahato sandai. Esenondai. Esenondai. Sombre kite varno monde lepra lorne minamana. Sangro terra nanda barna mashonde nene mahaya. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the supply of your word. Thank you for the supply of your spirit. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, the master teacher. Amen. So, like it was read to us earlier from um, Esther chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Please permit me to read again. Esther chapter 4, 
verses 13 and 14. It says, Then Mordecai, you need me to change. Okay. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Commanded to answer Esther, not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In the 27 minutes I have left, we're going to uh, do a quick work split in three parts. We'll do a quick overview and check out the correlation between the time referred to here in Esther chapter 4 and the times that we are in. Then we would examine just one of the fundamentals, one of the fundamental requirements for times like this. And then we would hopefully, if the time permits, round off by looking at what to do. What to do. Now in uh, picking the first part, an overview, the correlation between the times, we see that in the time referred to in Esther, there was serious hostility. There was serious hostility. Please uh, turn with me in your Bibles to chapter 3 of Esther. Esther chapter 3, and we'll read some verses. Let's read from verse 2, beginning. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants which were in the king's gate said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand. For he had told them that he was a Jew. Now, note the reason he gave for not bowing to Haman. He said, it's because I'm a Jew. Verse 5, And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone. He thought, "Mm -mm, it's beneath me to deal with only this guy. For they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. In the first month, let's skip to verse 8. And Amon said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, 
Now, take note of this. And their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. And of course, he began to sell the idea of eradicating the Jews. He says their laws were diverse. Now, just like, um, if you look at it critically, just like there are only three days really in life, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, likewise, there are only three peoples on the face of the earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32 tells us of the Jews, the Gentiles. Gentiles simply mean all that are non-Jewish. And then the church. The church talks about people that the Lord has drawn out from whether Jews or non-Jewish in Christ. And if you look at it critically, the way we think is different. Our approach to life different. Our value system different. What we emphasize differs. Another thing about the times, the, the correlation between the times is the historical background to the hostility. Haman was an Agagite. And when you trace it back to Numbers 24 and 1 Samuel chapter 15, you will trace it back to Agag. And you will recall how Samuel hacked Agag in pieces. So there was something historically that, uh, that um, Haman had against the Jewish race. Now, look at the times that we are in. If you please turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. Let's see something. I'm trying to lay a foundation so we can move speedily. Galatians and chapter 4. The last two verses. Sorry, verses 28 and 29. Let's just cut straight to it. Galatians 4, 28 and 29. It says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. So clearly we see two births, birth types. We see the flesh birth type and we see the spirit birth type. And one characteristically by nature is negatively disposed to the other. And of course it's clear, the one born after the flesh persecutes the one born after the spirit. That's another similarity. Another similarity, and I, I think I'll stop there and move on to the fundamental cause of our time. Another similarity is that in the entire book of Esther, the entire book of Esther, from the first verse to the last verse, there is no mention of God's name. You won't find God mentioned anywhere in all the chapters of Esther. Now, how does that correlate with the times that we are in? Haven't you noticed God's name is getting blanked out anyhow? I mean, your everyday DSTV, watch those movies. As soon as God's name is mentioned, you see it's blanked out. You see, growing up as uh, much younger than I am now, because I'm still quite very, very young, it was words like the F words that got blanked out. 
But now we see God's name blanked out like they would blank out the F words in times past. Not mentioned. And you know, the name of God is not just his identity. The name of God actually reveals his character. So anytime you blank out God's name, what you are doing is that you are removing the character of God from the conduct of men. Because there is nothing that reminds them to do the right thing. And so the, their conscience begins to die. I mean, there is science which stands for knowledge inside conscience. So once you take the right knowledge away from people, then that thing that sees to their doing the right thing begins to grow weaker and weaker. Now, what is the fundamental? That's the part B of what we are looking at this in this session. What is the fundamental here? You recall that Haman had perfected plans. Everything was in place. And then he shows up at the palace. It was time to begin to execute, right? But guess what? He came at the time when the king was thinking of how to honor Mordecai. You remember the story. And at the end of the day, contrary to his intention, he had to lead the honor, the honor parade for Mordecai. Then he goes back home and he tells his wife and his friends what had befallen him. Now hear what the wife said in Esther chapter 6 and verse 13. And it gives us a clue to the fundamental. When something is fundamental, it is non-negotiable. No matter the methods, no matter the techniques, there is this one that we must not throw away. That time, that was what helped. And this time, that is the fundamental, the number one thing that we need to be mindful of. In Esther chapter 6 verse 13, she said to him, If Mordecai, being a Jew, help me, being a what? If Mordecai, being a Jew, before whom you've begun to fall, he said, you shall surely fall. Now, it wasn't about Mordecai's complexion. It wasn't about Mordecai's gender. It wasn't about Mordecai's height. You know, the height part will be good news for people like me. <laughs> it wasn't any of that. It wasn't about Mordecai's uh, uh, qualification. It wasn't about anything. Not even about Mordecai's wealth. It was Mordecai's origin. Mordecai's citizenship. If Mordecai be a seed of the Jew before whom you've begun to fall, then get ready, you shall surely fall. Now there is something in Romans chapter 2 verses 28 and 29. Romans 2, 28 and 29. It says, it is not a Jew one who is outwardly, but one who is inwardly. He said, because circumcision is of the heart and not of the flesh. He is not a Jew one who is inwardly, but one who is outwardly, because circumcision is, not, is of the heart and not of the flesh. Now, please come with me to Romans 9. Romans chapter 9. I'm a pastor. So, we would always read and read and read. Romans 9, verse 9, beginning. 
It says, for this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. Now, let me um, step back, take a few steps back. The fundamental that made the difference for Mordecai and his people was the fact that they were the seed of the seed of the Jews. Okay? But in Romans, in the New Testament today, even amongst the Jews, there is a distinction. And it is how each one was born that makes the difference. It, we trace it back to each one's, uh, how, the, how they were born. Now in Romans chapter 9 verse 9, For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And we are told that when this son was conceived and given birth to, Abraham's body was dead. Romans 4.18 says, against hope he believed in hope. Verse 19 says, he was not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20 tells us that he staggered not through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21 says, because he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. So this son was going to be conceived, carried to terms, and given birth to supernaturally. There was no natural explanation. Now let me pause here and quickly say something, um, just to help someone who may need to know. Uh, don't try to figure out where I'm going. Just follow me. Because by the time you think you are done figuring me out, I'm done. Praise God. So just stick with me. He just keep, as I throw the pieces at you, just keep catching them. We'll piece them together and then you have the, the point. Praise the Lord. Then not only that, verse 10, we are told that even when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, because the children didn't have opportunity of either impressing God or displeasing God. Esau hadn't done anything wrong. Neither had Jacob done anything good or impressive. Yet, it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And then he keeps tracing it to verse 16, where he says, So then, it is not of him that will it. In other words, it's not determination. Neither is it of him that run it. It is not in the effort. It says, rather, it is of God that shows mercy. And by the time you come to verses 22 to 24, another distinction. It says, what if God just chose to display his power in the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction? He said, how much more would he show his kindness, his mercy in our lives? We that are the vessels of mercy. Now, I'm trying to paraphrase because of our time. So, another distinction. We see vessels fitted for destruction, and then we see vessels of mercy. And the first two words in verse 24, I mean great news. It says those vessels of mercy are even us. So, let's go back to Esther. Here was Amon trying to destroy the Jews. And then his wife makes a discovery. And says to him, my friend, you have started to fall. And guess why you have started to fall? It is because this guy is a Jew. And for as long as you keep fighting the Jews, you will surely fall before him. 
And then we trace to Galatians chapter 4, where the scripture talks about the child of promise. In other words, this child didn't, wasn't conceived because Abraham and Sarah knew how to make babies. In fact, it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Their case was a hopeless one. Yet this child was conceived supernaturally. Why? Because the promises of God are superior to the problems of life. The promises of God will always cancel out the problems of life. You know the way Dagon fell before the Ark of the Covenant. That's how problems fall like dominoes when you work and you activate the promises of God. Supernatural. Huge distinction. And this distinction, behind this distinction, is the mercy of God. Towards a group of people. The vessels of mercy. And then the wrath of God. Towards a group of people, the ones fitted for destruction. Hmm. So fundamentally here, we see something. And that is our birth. In John chapter 3, one guy went to see Jesus at night under the cover of darkness. And he began by saying, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles except God be with him. Now, he was talking about doing something, but Jesus will answer him. Jesus answered by talking about being something. In verse 3 of John chapter 3, he says, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, with all of this guy's education, he didn't understand. By verse 4, he said, Excuse me, I'm full grown. How would you minimize me small enough to go back into my mother's womb? And verse 5, Jesus says, that's not what I'm talking about. You are still thinking natural. He says, hear what I'm talking about. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I've heard several interpretations given to that. But you see, there are two births in life. There is the birth by water. When you read in Job, it describes it. He says, you started as liquid. And then you began to take form and all of the wonders that happened in the womb. So every one of us, you know, were all born of water. Everybody born of water. It says, but there is another birth. That one is the birth by spirit. In verse 6, it says, because the one that is born of flesh is flesh. The one that is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Fundamental. To the times and the seasons we are in, as much as the time for this session permits me, is the fact that we must pick up our new birth, re-examine our new birth. There are methods, there are techniques, there are principles, but whatever we do in our actions or we do not do in our inactions must not throw away the place of our new birth in Christ. That is the fundamental. Every other thing gets to be built on this. That is the fundamental. In verse 8, he says, he says, the wind blows wherever it desires. It chooses to go. He says, you cannot tell when, where it's coming from. You cannot tell where it's going to. And guess what? He said, even so, everyone that is born of the Spirit. 
So we cannot be bound. We cannot be contained. We cannot be limited. We cannot be restricted. And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So somebody says, oh, guess what? With the, uh, the pandemic and all of that, there are places you will not be able to go. Not with the Holy Ghost power on my life. Because when he says you shall receive power and you shall go to all of those places, he factored in travel requirements. There's an anointing on your life. The place you can't get to is the place where he does not need you yet. That's the only place you can get to. There's something about us. You can't contain us. You can't restrict us. You can't limit us. So no matter the threats, no matter the noise, no matter the shout, no matter the hostility, we must always return to our roots. If Mordecai be a seed of the Jew, before whom you have begun to fall, get ready to fall, Yakata. Get ready to fall finally. Did her prophecy come to pass or not? It did. It came to pass. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And the righteousness that qualifies them for it was given them by me, saith the Lord. It is not a righteousness they had to work up. They didn't have to qualify for it. I came for the unqualified. I found them unqualified and qualified them for it. Whatever we do. Oh, let's get into the seven mountains and all of that. Whatever we do, we must build it on the foundation of the relationship that we have with God in Christ Jesus. Because once you take that off, once you forget that you are a child of God, once you forget the child of whom you are, then we may be the ones falling before Amen. But if we will not let go of the consciousness of who we are in Christ, of what Christ has done in his death, his burial, and resurrection, then it is Dagon that we bow before the Ark of Covenant. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So let me attempt to close now by looking at what to do. What to do. Number one, be spiritually minded. Now, please note, I didn't say be spiritual. I said be spiritually minded. You know why? I am not spiritual. Neither am I planning on being spiritual. Yeah, I got your attention. That's good. <laughs> I am not spiritual. Neither am I planning on being spiritual. You know why? That which is born of flesh is not fleshual. It's flesh. Likewise, that which is born of spirit is not spiritual, it's spirit. To be spiritual is an attempt to adapt to the ways of the spirit. But I'm not trying to adapt, I was born so. I am a spirit being. So you say, so where does spirituality come in? It is my mind that needs to be spiritual. It is my mind that I need to retrain to the way of the life that I have in Christ Jesus. Am I communicating? Be spiritually minded. 
Yes, it's true that the scripture says that uh, uh, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let's welcome Pastor Andy and his dear wife. Praise God. Glory to God. Pardon? Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Welcome, sir. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, what was I saying? <laughs> Be spiritually minded. Be spiritually minded. See, see, when you have topics like such a time as this, if you are not careful, your thinking might go to, oh, there is something that is out of, not out of this world, that there is something that is out of our world. And you know our world is the Bible. So if you are not careful, you start thinking of, this is, these are peculiar times. There is nothing new under the heavens. It's the things that have been that shall yet be. So we should not overlook any verse of the Bible. Being spiritually minded is still in the Bible, no matter the times or seasons. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So the one thing that we need to do is to retrain our minds to who and what we are. You know, you are who you are by where you came from. Taste water from the sea. How will it taste? Salty because of where it came from. So we taste you. You should be godly because of gave birth to you. So it is true that the Lord God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. He said that, but we didn't see any, we didn't see the man. We couldn't see the man until chapter two, verse seven, when the Lord formed a body for the man. What am I saying? He spoke words and the words created the man. How did I know that there was a man? After he spoke the words, he began to talk to the man in verse 28. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and have dominion over sky, land and sea. He began to talk to the man. Who was he talking to? He was talking to the man his words just created. God is a spirit, an invisible reality. So his words created an invisible reality like himself. Then afterwards, he formed, this time he used some visible material. He formed a body and exhaled the man he had created into that body. So it will be, be foolhardy of me to think that I am what I'm wearing. You are not what you are wearing. What you are wearing is your clothes. And that's the reason why there is nobody that has ever died. Nobody ever died. They only exited their body. Everybody that was ever born is still alive somewhere. Dead or alive. Everyone is still living somewhere. So be spiritually minded. No matter the time, no matter the season. Be spiritually minded. Number two, trust and obey. It sounds like an old hymn. It sounds like old school. But it is never outdated. The principles of God are forever timeless. 
trust and obey. In Psalms 37 and verse 3, I like it in the New King James Version. It says, do good, trust in the Lord, do good, and feed on his faithfulness. Think about that. Can somebody quantify God's faithfulness? Can you put God's faithfulness in, in figures for me? How much is God's faithfulness? He didn't say feed on your salary. He says feed on his faithfulness. My time's up. Pastor says I have five minutes more. Okay. Five minutes extra. Thank you. Now, the scripture tells us of a day when Jesus was talking to multitudes. You remember that story in John 6. He was talking to multitudes. And suddenly, I, I, I assume that the children became hungry first. Usually, hunger starts showing up in the belly of little ones. And so, and once children become hungry, the report will pretty soon reach their mom. And then from the mom, it gets to the husband. Okay? And the men began to stand up. Can you imagine that as I'm privileged to bring you the word of God now, men just start standing up? How did I know the men stood up? Jesus said, make the men. He didn't say make the people. Make the men sit down. Now, why would men stand up in times like that? Oh, we are the breadwinners. Times are hard, so we must give it what it takes that we might take what it gives. But Jesus says, make the men sit down. Now, one thing that drew my attention to, to the details of that story years ago is the fact that that story seemed to sound non-friendly to the female gender and the children. Because we are told that there were 5,000 men, then we are told besides women and children, as though the women and children were not important. But what happened there? Follow the story closely, especially John's account of that story. The scripture tells us that he said to them, make the men sit down. And of course, you remember, he took the bread, broke it, blessed it, gave it to the disciples. And then the disciples, now watch, watch, John 6, 11. The disciples to them that were set down. There are no useless details in the Bible. Why wouldn't, wouldn't the Bible say he gave to the disciples and the disciples gave to the men? Or gave to the people. Gave to them that agreed to sit down. That suggests that there were some guys who still wanted to do it by the strength of their arm. I mean, there were some Esau's who immediately they knew that it was time for the blessing. Reached for their regular weapons. Let's go to the bush and get the thing done. But there were guys like Jacob who knew they were mere worms. The instruction was sit down. They say, okay, we don't understand it, but we are going to sit down. That was an exercise of trust. And the Bible says those ones that agreed to sit down, there were 5,000 of them besides the women and children. Am I communicating? So whatever the times or the seasons, faith in God is still faith in God. It never changes. He says, for whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, somebody would think that faith is, must come from somewhere. Mbano, it's not coming from somewhere. He said, who is he that overcomes? But the one that believes that Jesus is the son of God. How many believe Jesus is the son of God? You see how many overcomers we have? You have what it takes to overcome already. Let's not throw away the jawbone of an ass. 
that got us victory over a thousand Philistines and think it is another method that will give us water to drink. Go back to the same jawbone of an ass. Remember when Hagar had dropped a baby somewhere and she thought that God would just, heaven will open and water will drop from the third heavens. The instruction to her before she was given water was, go and pick that baby up again. Somebody, because of the times and the season, you've decided to throw away the vision God gave you. You've decided to keep the dream that God birthed in your heart somewhere. You say, because there are certain things that are not available in these times and in this season. But the instruction of God's word is, pick that baby up again. Pick that dream up again. Take up that vision again. It was not until she picked up a child that her eyes were open and she saw the well. Now, excuse me. God didn't dig a well. He only opened her eyes to see it. Meaning the well was there all along. But for as long as she abandoned the dream, the vision, she couldn't see it. If you will pick up that vision again, if you will take up that, that project, that dream again, I can assure you, your eyes will be open and you will see what God has provided. Please, don't try on Saul's armor. It won't work. Don't think that the old school style of smooth stone in a sling, the power of our salvation, the power of servicing our relationship with God through fellowship, don't think it is old school. Don't at all. David said, I've not proven this. Let me go with what I have proven. Time in the word of God and time in prayer, we can never sacrifice because of the times and the seasons. We must stay rooted in the word and in prayer. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you your own inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. Thank you. You've been listening to a message from the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashankari, Abuja. 9 a.m. on Sundays and 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. For telephone, 09-290-9000 or 07-03-15-88404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you